The scripture reading this morning is Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocent innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when no one awakes, when you arise, Lord. You will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You counsel me with your counsel. You guide me, I'm sorry, with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell all of your deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, church. Honored to be here with you today, worshiping the Lord. And um, I'm going to speak on uh, finding comfort in God's promise. And I don't know who put your liturgy together this morning, but it is marvelously done. Everything works toward this theme of us finding comfort in God's promise. Um, I live over in Harlem with my wife. Uh, we live in a, a, a new building um, in a tiny, teeny, tiny little studio. And, uh, but we, we knew that before we came here. <clears throat> and uh, 
Our concierge, David, was at the desk, uh, and he saw the man come in with a fairly new sport jacket from the side of his eye, but he was occupied with the mail. And the man went over to the bank of elevators and ended up on the 14th floor at some point and found an open door to an apartment. He went in, poured himself a drink, sat down, made himself at home because he really believed he lived there. And uh, Veronica, who was just down the way in a friend's house returning a book, she came back and saw this stranger in her house and he invited her in for a drink. So uh, she went down and got David, he called the police and they all came in and the gentleman was quite upset that they wouldn't share the, the liquor with him. And uh, the police said uh, he was a familiar figure, he was harmless, but uh, he liked to go into people's homes and make himself at home. He really did believe he lived there. Veronica now locks her door. Do you? Do we have the right to speak about a God who wisely rules over this world, over the men who even in this hour, Russian and Ukrainian young men are dying in trenches? Uh, a God who uh, rules over rich and poor? Uh, where was God? when my friend in Boston stepped out of a restaurant to get a smoke and was knifed to death by a passing stranger for no apparent reason. Where was God when a child in our parish in Spain was born with one valve in his heart instead of four? Where was uh, God when, well, you fill in the blank. Does not uh, the newscast and the airport scanners feed our doubts about our God who is a wise, loving, and powerful ruler over all things? Do you lock your doors at night? With, wide, with eyes wide open to what is outside, how dare we confess, I believe in God Almighty? I would like us to reflect Christianly as brothers and sisters on what it means that God really does see and care as he rules. Because the devotional house in which you live is largely determined by the doctrinal foundation that is underneath of it. And so uh, this uh, will uh, deepen your heart, um, you know, answer the question of how you conceive God to be, what kind of person is he when he acts? In many ways, your present understanding of the triune God determines the arc of your life's future. Asaph says, surely God is good to Israel. <clears throat> but sometimes we have a crisis in trust and in finding that comfort that is spoken of here. All Christians, all 2.5 billion of us, soon to be three billion, I guess, as we grow, all Christians, Roman Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, agree on the teaching of this psalm. All Christians agree on the doctrine of providence. It's one of those few things we all get on board the same way, that God is holy, wise, and powerful in the way he governs his creatures. The wise providence of God is that one teaching in which there is universal agreement across the spectrum of churches through the ages. Yes, life has a way 
of beating up on us. And often the comfort of God's providence gives way to fear, anger, and dread. But the scripture does not hide, scripture does not hide the fact that as believers, we can be shaky and overwhelmed. We read in our psalm here that, uh, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. And a little further along in verse 13, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence because all day long I have been afflicted. Every morning brings new punishment. Like uh, Job, uh, we can fail to experience the comfort of God's providence and say, I wish I had never been born. All is vanity, he says. All is meaningless. A beating of the wind. This book of withered leaves enters into the scripture because God takes this question of ours very seriously. I remember in my own life, I've certainly, like all of us, um, 71, we have our share of pain as we go along. Uh, the worst day in my life is very easy to pick out. When my son was 15, he was in an honors academy in uh, Boston, Boston Latin, and uh, he was on a pharmacopoeia of drugs. And he lived on the streets for 18 months, didn't know where he was. And uh, long story, but uh, one day I went to visit him in a hospital in a padded cell. And I went in there, and with all my pastoral experience, we couldn't break through, and he said, to me, you and mom are just old people. When I get out of this cell, I'm going back on the street. And I went home, I collapsed in a fetal ball, and wept as I had never wept before. Knowing God's comfort really can make a difference in those dark passages that we experience in this life. And he's fine now, so he's a great guy. Uh, but like Job, we can fail to experience God's comfort. So to gain the comfort of God's rule, I want us to think about the fact of God's caring providence. We can have a, uh, a failure to trust, but then there is the fact, that's my second point, there is the fact of God's providence. God is good to Israel, Asaph says. And uh, we gotta know what providence is, God's care, before we can benefit from it. God works personally to sustain all things. He is God. Nothing is left to chance. We in the Reformed tradition are particularly strong on that one. Uh, Jesus teaches us that his eye is on the sparrow. Not one falls to the ground without his permission. Even the hairs on our head are numbered. Even if they be few, they are numbered. God knows. And... Uh, I want to read a verse from Acts, and I read this, uh, well aware of the trail of misery that Christians have wrought on Jewish people through the decades, through the millennia, uh, and well aware of the gracious hosts that you have, and our responsibility to love our neighbors today as we have afflicted people in the name of a Jewish Messiah, which to me is just beyond comprehension. But we read the gospel proclaims that even the death of Christ is part of God's providential 
uh, plan in Acts 4. Uh, the uh, writer Luke says, Jesus was handed over by God's set purpose, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and with the help of wicked men, put to death. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Now, this is a, a rabbit track. I'm not going to go down, but for you know, millennia, Christians have beat up on uh, Jewish folk from whom we inherit our faith. Why not the Italians? Why not the Romans? I've never figured that one out. But here's what I want you to focus on. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Even the death of the Messiah is part of God's plan. God's sovereign rule is without sin on God's part even as he permits evil to occur. When tempted to complain about God's lack of compassion, remember that God is far more compassionate than you or I could ever ask or imagine. And we see that in the cross, and there'll be more on that a little later as I ramble on here. God's sovereign rule does not crush our will, but rather enables us to act as free and morally responsible creatures in this world. The concurrence of divine will uh, with human wills, this interpenetration, interpenetration of what we do and uh, what he does is fully God's work. As a hand fits in a glove, so God is invincible in our activity. He is invincible in our activity. I, I think of it as a uh, one of these big Roman pillars, uh, and this is God's will and his plan. He's worked everything out, and he is working everything out. But he does it in such a marvelous way that he sticks us on top of that pillar, and, and we make decisions that are real. <clears throat> so this is uh, simply to summarize uh, what is this care that we're talking about. That's the doctrinal piece. Let's get practical here. The last thing I want to say is how you can actually find comfort in this teaching. <clears throat> um, first, we must remind ourselves that all things come from God's, God's good hand. We read here in uh, uh, verse uh, 23 and 24 of our text, uh, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up into glory. Comfort is missed when we select certain movements of history or of our story and omit others. For example, uh, a new car, a promotion, uh, a new friend. Well, that clearly, that's God's will. It's good and caring will. But a sick child, a uh, disastrous uh, occurrence in your finances, that's not God's will. Uh, you're picking and you're choosing and uh, there's even a, a fad some years back called open theism uh, where uh, one of the theologians, John Sanders, says, God is in the dynamic give and take of relationship with humans in which God sometimes does not get what he wants. That, my friends, is blasphemy. And you will get no comfort worshiping a God who loses sometimes to our wills. God is sovereign over all things. The good and the bad. 
yet without sin. All things fall out according to the hand of God, according to the clear teaching of the Bible. So first of all, don't get picky. We cannot pick and choose as we're trying to discern comfort and find it in our time of need. Secondly, God rules in all things, but our interpretation of what he is doing needs to be conducted with humility. Now, if I've already put you to sleep, wake up at this point, okay? Here's your take home, okay? Just listen to the rest of this, all right? Here's your take home, okay? Uh, in verse 16, we read, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply, and his, his soul was embittered. No wonder our interpretations of what God is doing are always tentative. They're open to revision. I think he's doing this. I think I'm being called to ministry, uh, but, you know, maybe not. Uh, an example, under the, the ashes and disgrace of World War I, most Germans saw God's hand in the rise of a talented and ambitious, forceful new leader. Uh, my people are from Germany. They fled. Uh, in 1934, this young man was viewed with such, as such a blessing to the nation that 600 Protestant pastors and 14 theologians signed this declaration. I quote, We are full of thanks to God that he, the Lord of history, has given us Adolf Hitler, our leader and savior from our difficult lot. We acknowledge that we, with body and soul, are bound and dedicated to the German state and to its Fuhrer. This bondage and duty constrains for us as evangelical Christians, and the word means the same in German as it does here, uh, the deepest and most holy significance in our obedience to the command of God. Wow. They're reading the hand of providence. Not far away at the same time, a confident reading of God's hand could be found in the Vatican's euphoric support for a new leader in Spain, Francisco Franco, the most successful dictator Europe has ever seen. His program was called, ironically, Catholic nationalism. Does that ring a bell? The fusing of church and state as we bring God's will and a new millennium. Anyone here disagree that in hindsight, uh, these good pastors and priests seriously misread the hand of God. If you raise your hand, I want to talk to you outside later, okay? Yet at the time, these guys, Franco and Hitler, seemed like a good thing. Many Christian citizens in our country view our present triumphant position in the world as clearly the hand and blessing of God. I have a friend in Spain, one of my co-pastors, Dr. Fernando, he was explaining to a guy, he says, he speaks all over, and he's been to the U.S. numerous times to lecture, he says, no, he says, uh, uh, Fabio, the U.S. isn't rich, it's rich beyond imagining. We are so blessed here, even as, you know, some of us struggle with rent and finding food uh, enough and things like that. We are blessed beyond imagining. But don't confuse national or personal success or failure with God's blessing and curse. It just doesn't work that easy. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's an old question of interpreting God's will. 
We can't easily read the hand of God in our time. We should try. There's nothing wrong with that. We should seek counsel, read the Bible, and pray for the Spirit's guidance, and we do. But many sincere believers presume that their Christian action program or organization is the infallible moving of God in our time, only, only to be bitterly disappointed when things don't turn out as they expected. So my, my second point here is humility, okay? Don't pick and choose. God hands us everything, but be humble as, we, as you try to discern his will, and we should try to discern his will. Now, the events of the Bible speak clearly, and they provide us with revealed interpretation to explain them. Two examples, back in Egypt in 1500 BC, uh, Egypt, was, Egypt was plagued because they oppressed God's people, the Israelite slaves. The Bible tells us so. And so God put on this amazing demonstration for Pharaoh and the leading elite of that time. Every biblical plague in the Bible uh, features uh, humiliation of one of Egypt's gods. And we know that because the Bible tells us so. In 35 AD, Herod, the king of Israel at the time, dropped dead because he did not give glory to God. We know that's the right interpretation because the Bible tells us so. But beyond the clear declarations of scripture, don't assume that you know always what God is doing in 2023. So God rules all things. We are to interpret those things with humility. Finally, can we say anything more than all falls within the mysterious circle of God's rule? Yes, we can. Third and final point, <clears throat> sort of. God's uh, comfort begins and thrives in the presence of personal faith. Verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered this sanctuary of God. That is the presence, the relationship of God. Then I understood their final destiny and so on. To benefit, to find comfort from God, you must be connected to God. And, and this is a real thing. I come from a non-Christian family, and, and in high school I'd pray, uh, God, if you're there, let me know. Do you really exist? And he answered my prayer. There is a real dynamic relationship. If you're here today as an inquirer, we welcome you, and uh, I would encourage you to seek the Lord. Ask him to come into your life. He will, but be prepared. He will answer that prayer. Uh, comfort comes with a thriving personal faith. Pharaoh saw God's hand at work. Pharaoh acknowledged God's hand at work, and yet Pharaoh's heart was as cold as a stone. Without a personal walk with God, your life is always in danger. With God, you are safe in life and death. I wanna, I wanna quote something that's probably maybe too familiar to some of you, but uh, the beauty of it is incredible. This is from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's like our summaries of the faith that we use in the uh, Presbyterian tradition. Uh, it's from the German Lutheran Church. And close your eyes for a minute and just let these words wash over you. What is your only comfort in life and death? 
And the answer breathes out trust in the living God in whom we are in relationship. The answer is that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, I am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and redeemed me from all power of the devil. And so preserved me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head, yes, and that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready to live for him. You can open your eyes. In life and death, God extends his hand to us and goes with us. Great comfort comes from knowing that all things work for our redemption according to God's holy, wise, and powerful plan. With the eyes of faith wide open and a vital relationship with the living God, which is yours for the asking, the risen Lord of history walks with you and grasps your hand day by day. Final point. Comfort is found by looking to the cross of Jesus Christ. This is the vital piece of the puzzle of our very real fear, pain, doubt, and suffering that all of us have had, are having, or will have in this life. Jesus Christ, we can't solve the mystery of evil in the sense that we can understand, for instance, why the Yellow River overflowed and 300,000 people died in one day in China sometime back, centuries back. We can't come to a point in theological study where we say, oh yes, I see now, it's all intellectually transparent to me. That is not revealed to us. But what is revealed to us is the heart of the love of God in the cross of Jesus Christ. And that is more than enough. We read here in verses 21 and following, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was, a, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you, and you're, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And, and, and on earth uh, has nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength, the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There's a close connection, friends, between God's correction and love. Often we may say, hey God, go love somebody else for a while. Are you suffering? If it's for sins, your sins, then repent. If it's for another's evil or stupidity, Try to change the situation if you can. If it's for causes unknown or beyond your control, then faithfully endure in hope, knowing that God loves you because the Bible tells us so. And you can, brother, you can, sister, endure because God is holding your hand through the valley. The prosperity of the wicked is passing and your pains are momentary in the light of eternity. As you muddle through the day with your chores, paying the bills, practicing songs, watching the newscasts, 
Remember that your little tasks are the object of divine scrutiny and angelic observation. You are not a rudderless ship on, tossed about on a shoreless sea. You are a child of God's infinite concern, and you are being led to safe harbor. As Esau says, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all of your deeds. In conclusion, you know this because you've been walking with God. But we need to be reminded once in a while that God's comfort is very real and we can reach out to it. Grasp his outstretched hand. You do this by looking to the cross. When all around you is dark, when all is confused, and you just don't understand, we clearly see God's love spelled out in the cross of Christ. So never, especially in times of pain, take your eyes off that cross. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. Look to the cross of Jesus. Thank you.